This is the message from Connection Community Church for Christmas Eve 2019. Glory Revealed. Well, Merry Christmas, Connection Church. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. What a glorious night. Yeah. You know, tonight we celebrate the birthday of Jesus Christ. We also celebrate Connection's birthday tonight. Yeah. Now, our first worship was on uh, December 24th, 2001, so it's our 18th birthday, our 19th opportunity to get together in the name of Jesus Christ. And so who birth. was here that very first one? Uh, yeah. Just a few of us. We're so glad that the rest of you joined us this yeah. year. It's really a small gathering of yeah. the originals here anymore. Yeah. So, in fact, what a great gift God's given us for this birthday, this new place of worship. Amen. Let's give God a hand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for tonight. It's such a special night where we glorify your holy name and focus on the birth of, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Settle us in. And I would pray that we would be changed and transformed <coughs> by your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. So throughout this season leading up to the night, this Advent season, that's a season in the church of preparation and expectation, our focus has been on glory, on God's glory. First week we consider how glory was foretold through the Old Testament prophets. Week two we looked at how God's glory was conceived through the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. And week three we talked about how glory was sustained when the when uh, her fiancé, Joseph, went ahead with the plan. And, and this past Sunday, two days ago, our focus was on glo uh, God's glory proclaimed from the angel to the shepherds. And tonight, as the Seabin family so wonderfully shared on that video, great job, guys, where we are now. Yeah, great job. Um, tonight, our focus is on glo God's glory revealed. revealed. Glory. Gloria comes from the Latin word gloria, and basically, it means something marked by great beauty and splendor and power and magnificence. And so God's glory revealed then describes the manifestation or a visible sign of God's beauty, God's power, God's splendor, and God's magnificence. I don't even have enough words to cover it. So just this past Sunday, just two days ago, we talked about the shepherds in the fields who were watching their flocks by night, and an angel of the Lord came, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. It manifested as it shone around them. Can you just imagine what that would have been like for them? It's one of those dark nights, perhaps like tonight, just a few stars in the sky, but a really, really dark night. And the shepherds are out there, and they might be chit-chatting among themselves. You might hear a, a sheep, you know, bleat every once in a while. But it's pretty still and pretty dark. And then, bam, this light show, this celestial light show happens so unexpectedly, the sky brighter than ever before. 
Now, we were in Disney last year, and when the park closes, they have that big fireworks show at the end of the night. Anybody been to one of those? It is like incredible. It almost brings tears to your eyes. It's so beautiful. And that is nothing compared to what those shepherds <clears throat> experienced that night. Such a powerful sight. And the Bible tells us that it was so bright that it terrified the shepherds. They were like rough and tough guys, and, and they felt terrified by what they saw. You know, God's glory can also be kind of mind-boggling. In the book of Exodus, second book of the, of the Bible in the Old Testament, God calls Moses to go to Egypt to free God's people who've been enslaved by uh, Pharaoh for over 400 years. It's a huge assignment. And uh, uh, Moses is a little bit uh, reticent about taking it. So God is pretty dramatic when he approaches Moses about the whole thing. Maybe you've heard about this, this uh, bush that was on fire and yet not consumed. And God spoke through this flaming bush. God's glory there in that fiery bush out there in the field. God's manifestation was revealed to Moses that night through that flame. Later on in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is the first part of the Bible, we read in the book First Kings. There's a First Kings and a Second Kings. And God's glory was revealed in a very different way, much more subtly. The people of Israel were spiritually far from God. And Elijah, he was a, a prophet, and he was the only faithful prophet left which actually results in this smackdown, this showdown with 450 other prophets who have turned to following other gods. We call them little g-gods, gods that can't do a thing for them. Mm -hmm. After Elijah's faithful reliance on God, he wins the showdown. And Elijah puts the other prophets to death by the sword. Now, this isn't good bedtime reading, I must say. Unfortunately for this prophet, there is a brutal queen, and her name is Queen Jezebel, and she <laughs> seeks revenge, and Elijah ends up running for his life. Can you imagine just running? He is scared to death, and he ends up at a place called Mount Horeb, which is the mountain of God, and he spends the night in a cave right there. And we pick up 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, verse 9b through 13 from the New International Version. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out, and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Wow. So then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. See, you're not supposed to see the face of God. 
He pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? You know, the God that we worship, the God that we praise, the God that we celebrate is so much bigger than we can ever, ever imagine. Nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible for God. That is the, the scripture that we have held on to for 19 years. Nothing is impossible with God. The God who is all-knowing, the God who is all-present, the God who is all-powerful. And so we, when we hear from God, we expect to hear from God in like this mega-big way, God-sized ways like earthquakes and thunder and, and wind and you name it, but not in the ordinary, but in the extraordinary. That's what we think. And yet Elijah found, as he trembled outside of the cave on the mountain, that this God who brought everything into being, including you, including me, this God more often speaks in a whisper, in a whisper than thunder and lightning. Mm. Sometimes you have to listen really, really closely to hear God. It might be a nudge. It might be a whisper. God speaks to us in a lot of different ways. Mm. And so on that first Christmas night, the night we remember and celebrate this evening, God once again spoke in a whisper. Not at first, <laughs> no. Earlier in the night, out there in the sky above the fields where the shepherds were settling their sheep for the night, out there God revealed his glory in a spectacular way, in a thunder lightning kind of way, in a fire and earthquake and windstorm kind of way, through a heavenly angelic choir and a celestial night show that overtook the night sky, giving the terrified shepherds a memory that would last forever, a memory they would talk about for the rest of their days to anyone who would listen to anyone they could share it with. And then the angel said to them, fear not. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Yeah. And so the shepherds, they talked it over. Can you imagine that conversation? They talked it over, and then they decided to go over to Bethlehem to see what God had just revealed to them. And so they went with haste. And there they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, just as they had been told. And here's the whisper. God's glory revealed in a whisper. You see, God chose to reveal himself, to share himself through a baby. Through a baby in a manger, a whisper telling everyone that God is here. Mm. And yet we have to wonder why. Why, of all the ways God could have entered the world, because he can do anything, <laughs> nothing impossible, why would he choose this? Humbly entering the world in a stable rather than a palace as a helpless and innocent baby. 
And I guess the most simple answer to that question is because that's how we enter the world. Each and every one of us came into this as a baby, as a helpless, innocent baby, defenseless. I don't think many of us came in anywhere near a palace, did we? And so the way God chose to reveal God's self to us makes a little more sense when we think about it. We, we can all relate to a baby, can't we? I know we can. We just had one in our family. And we all were one at one time. Every one of us in the womb, surrounded by, you know, the water of life, just like Jesus, entered the world just like you and me. Yeah, to remind us now and forever that he, he's human. Even though he's fully divine, he's also fully human, just like you and me. That he's here with us, he's here for us in the flesh. Emmanuel is that word. We use that word a lot around this time of year. Emmanuel, God with us, literally. God coming to us, not in the thunder and lightning, but in a whisper. Or, or maybe a cry and a whimper, anyway. <laughs> so the huge irony of this whole Christmas story is the census that was called upon by the Roman emperor Caesar Augustus. He was one of the greatest leaders on earth that the earth had ever known, and this emperor was telling everyone to return to their town of origin, to register in the town where their family uh, was. And God was using this same census to bring Mary some 80 miles from her home in Nazareth to fulfill a prophecy that had been spoken hundreds of years before. The prophecy that would share that a savior of the world, the savior of the world, would be born in Bethlehem. That's what the census did. It got Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and the prophecy was fulfilled. Isn't it ironic that this earthly leader of the Roman Empire, Caesar Augustus, who many considered like a god, while he sat on the throne in the palace, the true ruler, the true king, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the son of the living God, was coming into the world in not some gold-appointed palace attended by servants, but a straw-appointed manger, stable in a manger, attended by animals <laughs> and shepherds. Isn't it ironic that the one who ruled the world, Caesar Augustus, oh, he's in the history books, but, you know, there isn't a whole lot, a ton about him, because think about Jesus, though. He lives on and on and on. The most book ever sold, the Bible. Jesus, who entered the world with merely a whisper, now lives in the hearts and the souls of so many people throughout all of the ages, the anointed one, Messiah, the savior of the world. You know, this uh, entrance into the world into a whisper, we're all familiar with, right? The baby in the manger. I mean, 
I've heard this story, well, I could tell you how many times, but then I'd be telling you just how old I am. But it's, I've heard it virtually every year of my life since I was put on this earth. You know, it's a story, it, it doesn't change. It's you know, the challenge every year preaching is not that the story's not good, but how can we just make it so we just don't take it for granted? And it's real easy, I'm afraid, at least for me, to take the baby in the manger for granted. We've heard it so many times. We have a lot of uh, manger scenes, crush scenes, they call them, at our home. Somehow we've got a collection of them over the years, and we've been together a long time, so we've got a lot of them. And every one of them has a baby. We're not missing a single baby Jesus, are we? Not a one. So we've got a lot of baby Jesus. Is I guess that's the plural. Baby Jesus I in our house. And, you know, if I'm not careful, it's easy to just kind of take it for granted. It's part of the story that we've heard hundreds of times. It's part of the story. In fact, it's the center of the story, this baby in a manger in Bethlehem. But if we're not careful, it's just part of the story. And we can take it all too for granted. Maybe that's true for you as well. I don't know. But here's the thing. There are a lot of things in this world that we can take for granted, but the baby in the manger should never be one of them. Never. This baby is a child like no other. And even though Jesus came into the world in a whisper, that whisper is God's saving grace that changes everything. Everything. It's changed everything for me. Without this baby in a manger, my life, would be empty. My life would be without purpose. My life would be without hope. That's what Jesus does. He gives us hope. This baby in the manger has carried me through some of the absolute darkest days of my life. A lot of years ago now, my brother Skip, who was just in his uh, late 20s, and I'm just a couple years older than him, so we were both pretty young, he was diagnosed with ALS, that's Lou Gehrig's disease. And I was a nurse at the time, so I knew exactly what his future would be. And I can remember sitting in choir practice in my church. I was not a pastor at the time, I was working as a nurse. And the anthem that we were practicing for that Sunday I just sat there and choked out the words through my tears as we were rehearsing the song that said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And I said, oh God, you gave his only son for such a time as this. And I just clung to that. I clung to that. And I begged for years for God to heal my brother. And God did. God did. Skip lives in North Carolina. He was able to be with us when we opened on in, in April. He was watching us online last night. It was so awesome. But God's glory was revealed to me in healing. In healing. On the other hand, I begged just as much for as many years for my parents' marriage to stay intact. I begged God that our family would not be torn apart. I begged God that the hurt wouldn't be there, and it was. It was. 
it was torn apart. And in this case, God's glory was revealed in the form of forgiveness and restoration of relationship, and it ended up being beautiful. God's glory was revealed to me in the form of peace when I experienced miscarriage, not once, but, but twice. And most recently, God's glory has been revealed to me in the form of supernatural strength and love and mercy, one day at a time, as I am grateful for 23 months and 19 days managing my stress in a healthy way. The name of Jesus means God saves. God does save. God saves us from ourselves. And Jesus came and saved me. And Jesus can come and save every single one of us. So our question for this evening for you is where do you need for God's glory to be revealed to you? In your life? Are you hurting because maybe an important relationship's hanging by a thread, or maybe that thread's already been severed? Are you overwhelmed because of finances or your job or heartache with your kids, no matter what age? Are you or a loved one experiencing health issues that are crushing you physically, emotionally, maybe even financially? Do you have anxiety getting up in the morning, just getting out of bed, or maybe anxiety trying to get to sleep at night? You know, God revealed himself in a whisper in that baby in a manger, God in the flesh. And he did that to be with us through these times, to bring order out of the chaos, which is what God does. To bring joy out of our sadness. To release the chains that bind us, the sinful chains that bind us. In order to give us freedom from that sin. To bring peace. That, that peace that passes all understand. Peace that normally just wouldn't make any sense at all. Because of the situation we might be in. But thanks to God, he can bring peace no matter what that situation might be. In John's fourth book in the New Testament, second part of the Bible, 16th chapter, 33rd verse, New International Version. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Some people come to Jesus thinking, There's a magic wand, (laughs) and he waves it, and everything's going to be peachy. He doesn't say that, does he? In fact, what he says is just, he's not saying he's going to bring trouble, but he says, in this world, you, and you, and you, and you, and you will have trouble. That's kind of the given. But, and you got to love it when Jesus puts a but in there. Because when, they, when there's a butt, the other side of the butt is always glorious. It's always full of hope. It's always full of new life. But take heart. Say the rest with me. I have overcome the world. 
Jesus. I have overcome the trouble in this world that you're going to experience. Yeah. Yeah. And so tonight we celebrate God's glory revealed in a whisper, quietly born in a stable. For the rest of humankind, they just were doing business as usual, <laughs> unaware that the world would ever, ever be, you know, changed. And boy, oh boy, was it changed with the birth of this baby. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God's grace in a manger. Let me say that again. God's grace in a manger. God's glory has been revealed. Tonight we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth, to bring salvation to you and to me to bring salvation to the world. So the question becomes, will you invite Jesus in to be your personal Savior, to have a relationship with him, either for the first time or the hundredth time? If your heart's pounding kind of fast right now or, or you're feeling something, you can just tune me out now <laughs> and just talk to God, go one-on-one. -on -one. Because perhaps today... On Jesus' birthday could be your spiritual birthday as well, either for the first time or for the hundredth time. Will you invite Jesus in, into your heart, into your life? God's love, God's grace, revealed in a whisper, a baby in a manger, that's the good news. Let's believe it. And let's live it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for knowing that we were lost, knowing that we needed a Savior, someone to walk the earth, someone to be among us, human yet divine, someone to take on our burdens and our troubles and to give us a hope and a future. God, you brought Jesus into this world, the light of the world, and so the dark is never so dark again. Thank you, God, for the hope that you bring through Jesus, through his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Your son Jesus affects all of eternity, our eternity. And so we thank you and we praise you this night. In the name of the Father and the Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.